Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, a tough loss. The Dolphins fall 21-14 to in Germany at the hands of the defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs. We'll break it down with an opening little monologue I put together for you guys. We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. We'll do the five big picture takeaways and, of course, take you through the game play-by-play here from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. So a Dolphins fan of a certain age can appreciate how challenging that entire game was from starting off shooting yourself in the foot, falling behind by a touchdown on the opening drive, not responding to that drive for a few drives, giving up another touchdown late in the half, and then a offense that looks like it's found its spark And then all of a sudden, something goes wrong from your very best player. He puts the ball on the turf. They pick it up. They lateral it, ran it back for a touchdown to make it 21-0 at the halftime break. And you're thinking to yourself, here we go again. Dolphins in a big game. We're never going to hear the end of this. And I hate it. I hate it here. I hate being a fan of any team in sports because it seems like it always ends in misery, right? After I had just shared the Greg Cody story talking about enjoying this beautiful journey the Miami Dolphins are on this year. That happens. And you're thinking to yourself, Travis, how can I possibly stay in that frame of mind? It seems like every time we have a big challenge, a big game against a big time team, we do this. And then the Dolphins respond and they show you their resolve and they bounce back and they show some bite and they show you why they are a team that has everybody talking about them nine weeks into the NFL season. But a Dolphins fan of a certain age knows how these movies typically end, at least they have in the past, right? A buddy of mine from back home texted me, I think it was at 21 to seven and said like, Hey, they're coming back. They might have a chance. And I said, you know, if I know this team, like I know this team, and again, it's not fair to do that for this team because 2011 or 2006, 2002, none of those teams have any impact on the 2023 Miami Dolphins. But I told him, you know, maybe a little bit of a sad Dolphins fan. I said, they're going to come back. They're going to have a chance and they'll come up just short. And that's what happened. And those ones can sometimes be the toughest games to deal with. Now, look, why is it so tough today? Are you feeling like I feel like your stomach just got ripped out? I'm curious how Dolphins fans feel. I think I'm kind of alone in that. A lot of people I've talked to don't feel that way, but let me tell you why I, I feel that way. Because the narrative stuff, I don't really care. You know, that makes my useless Twitter scrolling at night a little bit worse, but that's on me, right? I allow myself to be affected by that. None of that matters. None of the power ranking stuff matters. Yeah, it's fun to be on top of those and to share the tweets that people praising us and talking about how great we are and look at this next team in the National Football League, Hard Knocks, all the kids are dressing up as the head coach and everybody wants to be the Miami Dolphins. That's all fun. And maybe that's partially to blame for the way you feel after a loss like that is the absence of those endorphin releases you get from all of those experiences of winning a big game like this, or just in general, the reaction of winning on social media and what we do now in 2023 in the National Football League. And we over-dramatize every single play, every single game, every single result. But where I get real down is the actual missed opportunity the Dolphins had today. They had them. They had those guys. Guys? They were the better team, and they just could not capitalize. 
And that's what I'm reminding myself here today, that they're close. And you don't want to hear that they're close because they haven't broken through yet in one of these games. I've been the first one to say that sometimes it takes taking your lumps before you break through. And then when you do, gosh, it's got to be glorious. The famous Steve Young after his Super Bowl win. Get this gorilla off my back. They said he couldn't win the big one. He finally did. Or Peyton Manning finally exercising the demons in New England. Or I guess it wasn't Indianapolis. But in four playoff losses, you know, before the 2006 season to those Patriots teams where Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were there every single year to raise their trophy and put an end to the Peyton Manning and Indianapolis Colts season that year. But gosh, these lumps, they hurt, man. God, they hurt. Specifically when you're the better team. So maybe they'll be better off for this. Maybe they'll be 11-3 and come Christmas Eve when the Cowboys come to town and the narrative will still be they can't beat good teams. Maybe that's the blessing in disguise. Maybe it allows for a really damn good football team here in the Miami Dolphins, and that's what they have, a damn good football team, to carry the nobody-believed-in-us badge down the stretch. Maybe it's a good thing. They'll have their chance to exercise their own demons. Hell, I think those last three games of the year are essentially playoff games because they're teams that are good enough to be in the playoffs and teams that I believe Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo are all going to have double-digit wins by the time you face them at the end of the year. That's for another day, but that's the kind of a playoff stretch before the playoffs. And the next time you'll have a chance to prove that you are one of these teams. And I don't, what does it even mean to prove who you are? To te- like The standings will prove who you are at the end of the day, right? So I can stomach the talk, the noise. That's all that is. It's all talk. What really gets me, though, is the standings because you had a chance today. You were the better team and you still lost a game that you were better in. And it hurts. It really hurts. Let it hurt. I get it. If you're my age, you know what it's like to root for this team with everything you've got. And I kept saying to Seth and OJ in the radio station, damn, man, how the hell am I going to handle a devastating playoff loss or a Super Bowl loss one day? And this is how I feel about a November 5th game. And that's how it feels today, like a playoff loss. It feels like you were eliminated. But you know what? You weren't. And that's the beautiful thing. There is a tomorrow. This team is going to come out of the bye week healthy and ready to go on a run. But it's okay to let it hurt for today. It should, but we'll be back. Let's go ahead and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel on the narrative and what it means. And, you know, how do you feel about it? The overall mental mental fortitude of the collection of individuals, um, the their commitment to this season and this organization and this team, um, and they show me every day. Uh, it, this is something that, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're all very aware. Um, and we knew going into the game uh, that, you know, if we're going to lose, what, what the narrative would be. And that's fair. Like, you, 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 I sh- we shouldn't feel entitled um, to uh, high opinions uh, from, from the masses um, and I, you know, we have to earn that confidence and we have to earn, um, you know, every, it, it also gives me a ton of confidence because I know that NFL games, um, each and every one of them is tough. I think people undervalue poor records. Um, you, you have to, it, it is hard to win in this league. Um, and so to win in any in any right against any opponent um, is something not to take for granted. And uh, as long as you continue to get better, ultimately um, that narrative will subside. But that's on us collectively um, from coaches and players alike to, um, 
you know, if you want the narrative to change, um, change the narrative. I really kind of feel like Coach and I had the same thing there in terms of, yeah, it exists, it's out there, but if you want to change it, you have to go change it. But ultimately, the resolve of this team and what this team is built on, I think, will ultimately make them better from this. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on a missed opportunity in Frankfurt on Sunday morning. And, you know, we, we think, man, if we would have made this play or if we would have made, if I would have made this throw, um, and that, that's a part of the game. It's a game of inches. Um, and all, all we can continue to do is, is work, um, you know, and, and not lose sight of, of where we want to go as a team. We got to continue to stick together and not deviate from that, regardless of what everyone outside is saying. And we just got to put our head down and keep going. And the funny thing is, like, you think about those individual plays that ultimately maybe cost you the game. I remember thinking back to like, you know, some of those like Joey Harrington losses in Buffalo, for instance, or whatever it might've been like these teams that were seven and seven, trying to give themselves a chance to be alive in week 17, to go win a game and make the playoffs. And then ultimately probably get destroyed by the aforementioned Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. But this is different. Like we're upset because we lost a chance to earn the number one seed heading into week number 10, which what does that mean, right? Like McDaniel could probably give me a, a pep talk right here. Like mission accomplished, Travis, we didn't accomplish anything. We were the one seed at week eight. What does that mean? Who cares? And he's right. So we move on. We live to find another day. Let's do the stats real quick before we get into the story of the game and the five takeaways from this game. It was rough early on for the Miami Dolphins. You guys saw how it played out. The offense could not get much going. And as a result, they wound up, Actually, usurping the Chiefs in most categories. 20 first downs to 16. The Dolphins were 3 for 12 to Kansas City's 3 for 10. Miami, of course, 0 for 1 on fourth down. So that was the big play late in the game there. But 292 yards to 267. You outpassed them. You outrushed them. You out total snapped them 58 to 56. Both teams had one giveaway. The Dolphins took three sacks. The Chiefs took two sacks. The penalties, Miami had six for 45. Kansas City, six, uh, nine for 69. And you outpossessed them. So it was there, man. Like the game was right there. Two of 21 for 34, 193 yards. When was the last time he threw for under 200 in a full game? One touchdown and an 87 passer rating. Mahomes was 20 for 30, 185 and two touchdowns. I I bet you if you would have told someone that both these quarterbacks are going to throw for under 200 yards, you would have told them you were crazy, but that's what happened in this game. So the Chiefs take the opening kickoff drive and march it down right down the field executing ball fakes and misdirections and motions. It looked like us on offense for a while. They got chunk plays and the mesh rail concept that we run. Noah Gray gets loose on a corner route. And it looks like they're going to have great spacing and throw all over the field. And they get a touchdown on the board. It comes off the board because he didn't make the catch. And then they throw a screen pass that goes right behind a blitz. And that goes in for a touchdown on second and 10. And that screen pass would be a key throughout the game. We'll come back to that. But you're thinking to yourself right away, like, here we go. Defense is going to struggle against an elite quarterback. And that didn't happen. We'll get back to that here in just a second. Dolphins get the football back, and it's a, a positive start. They get a 15-yard shot from Tua to Waddle into a trio of defenders. But then you take a timeout on a key third down, a false start. And it's like, same stuff, right? Like, these procedural operation issues that plague you, put you behind the chains, and you wind up not converting after they actually come off sides, make a third and nine, and they blitz to it and get a free runner and get him down in the backfield. So Steve Spagnuolo had a great game plan, had a great pressure package, and it impacted the Dolphins when it had to the most. The Chiefs get the ball back, and you're thinking, if they go score here, here we go. But it didn't happen that way. The Chiefs punt after 
Uh, really good three plays from Jalen Phillips to force a, a incompletion off of pressure. They get a Andrew Van Ginkle deconstruction for a beat on a uh, beating a block on a second down play, and then third and ten they get in on Mahomes again, and he has to throw the football away. So a quick punt. Dolphins get it right back, but they punt it back themselves after we had a shot down the field from Tua to Tyreek that looked like it was going to be a big game, tight window, one of those vintage Tua throws into the bucket, but Tyreek just cannot make the catch off the fingertips. We then miss a block off the edge. Looks like Claypool had a chance to make a big-time seal, but Raheem can only get one edge, one yard off the edge, and it creates this third and long on second down and 10. Early down running failures were a big key in this game. Miami, on those first three possessions, they went punt, punt, punt. They had three first down runs that resulted in one or zero yards, and it put them behind the chains. But then you got the the shovel pass inside that looked like Savon could have broken free and made some, made some haste, but he gets tripped up at the last second and gets cut down short. You punt the football back. And that was after Miami had a first down at the 25 yard line to Jalen Waddle for a nice catch and th- uh, throw and catch from two to Waddle, but an illegal shift, which quite frankly, we paused it. Everybody was set at the snap, but I'm not going to complain about officiating today in this one. So they, shoot themselves in the foot, cost themselves point with that, points with that. The Chiefs get it back, and you get another punt right back after really good coverage, marrying up with good pass rush up front. I thought Xavier Howard had one of his best games of the season, of the last couple of seasons. He was sticky in coverage downfield. So too was Ramsey. I thought Holland and Elliott played really good back in coverage. I thought Cater Kohu had a good game. On one of these plays on this drive, uh, David Long forces Mahomes off the spot and Jalen Phillips gets a cleanup sack, which is no game, but it was a cleanup sack after a good blitz from Long. Then you get a, a dominant rep from Zach Sealer for a quarterback hit and then X good coverage downfield, no separation. Boom, quick quick stop there. Then the Dolphins get it back, but they punt it back after a couple of drops again. So they're just continue to make errors that put themselves behind the chains and ultimately take the offense off the field. The Chiefs go out Another three and out because Christian Wilkins blows through the offensive line and gets a seven-yard loss on a tackle for loss and a fly sweep. Great play there. You get a great coverage from Xavier Howard once again to force third and 17. And then you get pressure that forces the check down. And here comes Cater Kohu for an open field tackle. Defense is humming. All three levels are acting in perfect synchronicity and playing good football. Dolphins get it back. Okay, now the offense surely will go down and answer, right? Didn't happen. They do a shot play to Waddle goes incomplete where it looks like he kind of lost the ball in the, that weird roof over there. You get a weird broken play where Tua gets hit for grounding, but I thought that Raheem was in the ter- like in the area because you saw Tua, he knew where he had to go with pressure, right? Like you saw him immediately get to that sideline throw to Raheem after the initial pressure broke down and his first read wasn't there, but he throws it like just eight yards behind Raheem when he was trying to get it over there and they call grounding third and 20. You have to punt the ball back anyways. And then talk about a critical play, man. There's a third and five on the next drive after Raekwon Davis made back-to-back good plays to create a third and five from their own 10-yard line. And Rasheed Rice makes a diving catch at the chains off his body. And that would extend a drive where instead of punting from their own end zone up by seven, the Chiefs then march a 95-yard 13-play drive to make it 14-0. They converted third and shorts in the, in the drive that created the opportunity to go score that drive. So... At that point, you know, 14 nothing. you have a chance to double dip at the end of the half, then beginning of the second half, but Miami looks like they're going to do that because they get, boom, two big plays, a nine-yard run, a slant to Waller for 15, a shot to Tyreek for 19. Looks like the Dolphins' offense we know, right? But then they throw a screen pass after a positive first down gain to Durham Smythe where Tyreek Hill catches it, and as he's trying to put the ball away, they wedge it. 
they knock it from his grasp down to like his hips and he kind of has it pinned against his, you know, his belt almost while he's moving backwards. So to me, one of two things is true. Either forward progress has stopped or he never caught the football. I kind of think that both things were true. They didn't see it that way. They rule a fumble return for a touchdown, which by the way, they pitched it back and that kept the play alive. And I thought Miami could have done a better job of running to the football in that spot to get that tackle. They don't. They run it back 21-0 and Twitter's a buzz, right? Everything is chaos. The Dolphins are complete pretenders at this point. They can't hang on the field with these good teams. Good night, Dolphins, right? But that's not how it went. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there, come back on the other side and pick it back up with the second half story of the game and the five takeaways. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Second half story of the game. Second segment here of the Sunday recap pod. Dolphins fall 21-14 in Frankfurt to the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Dolphins get the football back 21-0. It's just not looking good. And then they go out and they execute a big play on first down. And it turns into a a holding call that turns a 15-yard run from Raheem Mostert off the edge into second and 17. And that produces a three and out. And you're just thinking to yourself, at what point are they going to get a break or not make a huge mistake in a key spot. And that answer would, would come very quickly because the Dolphins punt it back to the Chiefs. You get a Christian Wilkins stop, a miscommunication pass, and then a scramble where Mahomes has to try to get 18 yards on the ground. The Dolphins do not allow that and get the football right back to the offense. And then we get the Miami offense we've known to you know come to know and love this season. Right down the field for a touchdown. You get two passes to Wilson and Smythe and a Wilson run that produces a couple of first downs. A critical third and two. You hook up to Durham Smythe for four yards to convert the first third down of the game. They were 0 for 6 at that point. And then Tua, I loved the throw to Cedric Wilson for the touchdown because number one, He's kind of run to the corner of the end zone and the defensive back is walling off the back pylon, but he has inside access for a throw to Cedric and he knows that one McDuffie is like kind of tr- kind of stumbling a little bit and Cedric just looks to be in great shape to go make a play on the football. So Tua throws it high and inside and Cedric goes up and gets his mossing version, right? He goes up and posterizes a defensive back for his second Dolphins touchdown in as many weeks. Good to see him come on here. Primetime said, as Tua says, the team calls him in that locker room. So a big play to get the Dolphins out of a hole. It's 21 to 7. Tua goes 6 for 6 for 64 yards on the drive and the touchdown. And then you're thinking to yourself, just give me a stop. OJ kept saying, get the ball back in the third quarter. There's four minutes left. Get it back in the third quarter. Give yourself a chance to score early fourth quarter. And then maybe we can make a run at this thing in the fourth and the Dolphins do you one better because Xavier Howard comes up on a short throw and cuts it down for no gain. Bradley Chubb gets his hand on a screen pass, which was the most effective play for the Chiefs in this game. Running the ball inside to Isaiah Pacheco and quick hitters from Patrick Mahomes. Think about that. That's If you can force offenses to do that to have success, you're probably doing something right. So Bradley Chubb swats the screen down and then after a Uh, offensive holding call it's third and 20 and Bradley Chubb like he's done all year long wins a pass rush he meets Jalen Phillips at the quarterback Chubb knocks the ball out Sealer sees the ball on the ground has a great effort to jump on it and recover it 
Great work from Chubb, Sealer Wilkins. Those guys had awesome games. Jalen Phillips did. Andrew Van Ginkle did. The entire defense played their butts off. They give it back to Miami. And of course, holding on first down creates first and 20. Then we miss Tyreek. And this is where like I thought Tua's accuracy kind of wasn't what we're used to for the rest of the game, even though they scored more points the rest of the way. But I thought that some of his throws were just a little bit off from where they usually were. And that started on a first and 20 ball to Tyreek, where he's open on that deep dagger, right? The in-breaking route, about 18 yards down the field. We've hit it for a million yards this year. And the ball's a little bit high and behind. Then we take a timeout on third down. Like, it's just these wasted timeouts, they add up. I'm not saying it's wasted, but you don't, you know, getting the play call in there would have done wonders to save that timeout. Then on third and 20, Chris Jones pushes Austin Jackson to the ground, gets a roughing call, and that gives the Dolphins new life. Then they swing it out to Raheem Mostert on a toss play on the next play, and he gets a great block, an absolutely phenomenal block from Alec Ingold, and he has great vision and a good cut to put his foot in the ground, bang it back inside, and get in there for six. 21-14, and it's not even the fourth quarter yet. And then the defense says, okay, we'll do you one better. We'll get the ball right back. They get a couple of first downs, but then they get another great play from Bradley Chubb to... Uh, break up a pass into the flat, then they get a run stuff. Then third and nine, they try a deep shot. Miami's pressure gets in, but Mahomes makes kind of a off-platform throw, and it's a good throw down the field. But there's Cater Kohu, great coverage to break it up. Dolphins defense is humming. Dolphins get the ball back on offense, and you're thinking to yourself, they're going to go do this thing, aren't they? Two runs by Raheem for 13 yards, but then he fumbles and good on Chase Claypool. That was going to be my play before the play, had this game gone the other way, was Claypool diving on that loose ball. Uh, that Raheem put on the carpet. You get a second down uh, completion to Ingold that sets up a third and four, and Rob Jones gets hurt, and I'm thinking about you, Rob. Rob Jones is one of the best people you'll ever meet in this world, man. Thinking about him and his injury, hopefully he'll be okay. But Liam Eikenberg comes in for his first rep one-on-one against Chris Jones, and he like he holds up. He does enough to give Tua to Tyreek for a great timing throw to the perimeter to move the chains. Waddle for 13, Tyreek end around for four, Raheem for one, third and five, critical third and five play here. And this is what I'm talking about with Tua. He hits the pass to Tyreek for eight and a first down, but I thought Tyreek had some run, room to run, but the ball's a little bit on the back hip. And like watching other quarterbacks, college or pro, it makes me appreciate how damn perfect Tua is 99% of the time with his location and timing because most of the time the ball's right on that face mask upfield that can turn into a play. I just thought there was a couple that were a little bit behind. We'll watch the tape tomorrow and get you guys more of a breakdown on that, but I thought there was some chances to make bigger plays than we had. This was one of them. It did move the chains, but then we go a toss outside to Ahmed. He loses six. We take a sack, third and 26 incomplete, just like these critical moments of the game that were in your hands to make these big shifts just didn't quite go your way. And then it's like, well, the Chiefs need two first downs here to end the game. They're probably going to get it. They throw a screen to Kelsey for six yards. Great, right? They're already ahead of the chains. But then Pacheco runs for three. And then third and one, they dial up a pass. And Miami plasters every single option on the little boot roll, the quick flat route, the little slide route they want to run, the little hookup route. They plaster Kelsey with double coverage. Just great, great Dolphins defense to get the football back. And then Miami takes it with 228, two timeouts. You need 75 yards. I assume you go for two, although you outplayed them in the second half by a lot, by like triple. So maybe you'd go to overtime. Who knows? I'd be curious to hear what Mike says about what they were thinking there after a potential touchdown because Raheem Mostert goes for 26 yards with key blocks from Connor Williams for a 19-yard run off the left side, a key block from Teron Armstead. But then things get wonky and the Dolphins open up the series in empty when you had 117 to play. At the plus 31-yard line, two timeouts. The full menu is open. They go empty, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. <clears throat> and then it looks like 
Cedric Wilson's open down the field, but Tua throws it short. And this is a part that's going to annoy me about, you know, he's <clears throat> talk about narratives and what's on social media. Like Tua can throw the ball 25 yards. So sh- like stop saying that he missed an underthrow. It was a miscommunication, man. Like let's go ahead and hear from Tua, in fact, on that third down miss. With what happened with me and said, um, that was just miscommunication. And, you know, in, in big time moments, those things like that can happen. So, um, you know, I, I, I got to throw a better ball. Um, you know, it, it was just miscommunication there. Um, and then with, with the last play of the game, I mean, I'm always going to blame myself. I, I you know, I, I got to catch the ball. Um, so whether that's getting in a, in a better position to catch it or whatever it is, uh, can't end the game like that. Uh, when we have an opportunity like that against a really good team. And he's right. You can't. And I, I just want to reiterate the point that like Tua was trying to throw a comeback. Cedric ran a takeoff. Like just please get lost with, with the, like your takes that you want to get out there, you know? Um, so what happened was, you know, Cedric was the one to the field, the wide side of the field and his third and 10, the dolphins need a, a first down to keep this game going. And, Cedric runs like a double move to the back pile on a takeoff and Tua throws a timing short comeback route that we've seen him hit time and time again to Tyreek Hill. I've never seen him hit to Jalen Waddle or Cedric Wilson or anybody else in the receiving core, but he tries this this throw and it was there. It's where it needed to be, but Cedric takes off and runs down the field. It goes incomplete. Let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on that critical play. Third down, uh, incomplete pass to Cedric Wilson. If I know my personnel well, um, Tua's probably standing up here since he gets to talk before me and saying this, that, and the other about it's on him, it, was, it wasn't. Um, there's, a, there's a lot that falls on um, squarely on my shoulders. They, they were um, you know, doing something that we had talked about, um, and uh, the miscommunication is something that um, doesn't happen if you know, I put them in the appropriate situation during the week. So... Um, you know, there was uh, uh, Tua didn't have time to um, observe. He uh, he he signaled kind of a um, a, a one route and um, that has a conversion. And um, Cedric interpreted it as another thing. And that's just um, things that when you're working together as a football team, um, you know, and you have the right effort and mentality from all your players that, uh, you know, it's, it's a hundred percent, um, something that I can control, um, personally. So, you know, the, 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 it, I was very, very proud, um, of how, uh, of the resolve of, you know, I'm, I'm very encouraged about the team, um, and just to be in that position on that final drive, um, takes a lot of, uh, you know, there there was a lot of expectations not met, you know, in the first half. Um, and for those guys to, um, you know, for the defense to shut them out in the second half um, and only hold them and, and only allow 14 points and for us to be in that, in that, um, in that situation uh, with one minute to go, um, I think that's the bigger picture from the player's perspective. And, you know, I told, told the team that you don't have to worry about um, me learning from mistakes. That's, uh, it's going to be a hard one, to, hard one to digest, but we'll make it purposeful. 
And I know you guys by now have seen the fourth down play against zero coverage because Waddle had not just green grass in front of him. He had the entire end zone to work with in terms of Tua laying the ball out there with those, you know, perfectly projected deep shots that kind of hang up in the air to give his receiver a chance to run to space. If he catches the snap, it's a touchdown. Like there's no doubt in my mind, but the snap is just off his frame. Tua cannot handle it. Uh, Tua took the blame for that. I, I think the snap was good enough to make a catch, but maybe against that look against zero, you know, you're hot. Like they, they sent like the entire house. It was seven guys coming and four guys dropping one-on-one coverage. And here's Tua actually on that play, because like we said, he had a chance to make a big play there to potentially really kind of stake his, his flag in the NFL in terms of a big signature moment there, but it didn't go that way. Here's Tua on the fourth down, uh, miss snap and sack that ends the game. Ultimately they played zero. So we we had routes for it was really one on ones on on everyone. So um, it was really your best matchup. That's how, how you look at that. Ah, what a bummer, dude. We had that one. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there. Come back into the five takeaways. We'll hear more from McDaniel and Tua. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host Travis Wingfield. Brought to you by Auto Nation. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You've relived the game. Let's go ahead and do the five takeaways here. Number one, just the self-inflicted wounds in big games. At some point, they have to learn from it. At some point, they have to improve upon it and use it to their advantage to not make those mistakes, play a clean football game. Because I think that if this team plays a clean game in a big game, they're going to get you that big win and you're going to feel great about it. When's that going to be? I'm not sure, but I hope it's the next one that we play. But the timeout on the first drive on third and nine, the illegal shift that wipes out what would have been a first down at the 25-yard line. Instead, it's third and 15. We run that shovel where it looks like Savon has one tackle to slip. We can't. We punt the football back. That illegal shift cost you points. The penalty I thought was questionable, but it cost you points. Uh, Tyreek's drop on second nine from the minus 41 would have put you at the plus 30 yard line. That's more of a physical error than a a mental self-inflicted wound, but you punt two plays later, you fumble at the end of the first half, a 10 point swing, maybe a 14 point swing at that point in the game, opening drive the third half of the half, uh, three and out. Thanks to a hold that wipes out a first down run. You get a hold immediately after the Bradley Chubb force fumble recovery that you overcame, but still a self-inflicted error there. And then Tua misses that third down throw to Cedric Wilson, the miscommunication. Just can't have those in critical spots. It seems to be the team's, I don't want to say calling card, but it's what happens frequently in those big spots in these big games, going back to you know last season, the big games, the playoff game last year, Buffalo, Philadelphia, this game. It just, it sucks to see. Uh, the defense allows the opening drive touchdown, and then you wind up going punt, punt, punt offense after two stops on the defense. Like some better complimentary football and self-inflicted wounds that prevented you from having that complimentary football would have, I think, put you in the winner's circle today. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on self-inflicted errors. We, we were trying to get things going, couldn't get things going. Um, whether we were you know, shooting ourselves in the foot of there's miscommunication with a, with a run play or uh, there's a flag for this or that. Um, but, you know, the, you, the game's not played in, in two quarters. It's played in four quarters. And so we, we knew we had the second half to, to try to come back and, and uh, make a run at it. 
you know, but it's it's always tough if you go against a team like that. And, you know, those guys know know a thing or two about big games. He's certainly right. They do. Takeaway number two is I think this defense is for real, guys. And I talked about it. That's where a lot of my hype came from this week in terms of how I was telling you guys on Twitter and on the podcast how excited I was for this game that we get a pair what I think is the best offense in the NFL, which I'm willing to hear that debate now because this team has to prove they can, you know, produce against a top-level defense before we can give them that moniker, even though they are number one in most categories still. But, man, the defense, like... Going into the season, you know, people thought that maybe the Dolphins offense last year was, you know, fluky and I'm using air quotes, but everyone had faith in this defense because of the coverage, because of the rush, because of the three levels, they had good players at all three levels and they were deep and then injuries bit into that. But today they had the starting defense out there and what do they do besides hold Kansas City to 14 points and on their final eight drives, just seven points allowed on those final eight drives after the opening drive, pressure without blitzing, four-man rushes, they can kick Jalen Phillips inside to the three technique and he can rush a guard and you can send Chubb off the edge and Van Ginkle off the other edge and Christian Wilkins inside and you can win with your pass rush with excellent coverage downfield from Ramsey being one of the best. Did he even get a target in this game? Xavier Howard, I thought, played his best game of the season. He looks fantastic in that you know, opposite Jalen Ramsey role. I thought Cater Coe, who got better. And I just, I think that's the impact of Jalen Ramsey, man. Like you're going to have every cornerback spot gets better because you have Ramsey. You had Holland and Elliott back out there communicating the back end looking really well. The run defense was great. Baker and Long were fitting runs really well, except for a few Pacheco runs that got loose, but they were blitzing, getting in there and, and making their impact felt. This defense, man, the, the, the stop at the end, giving the ball back to the offense twice, all the defense was fantastic in this one. Let's go ahead and hear from McDaniel how proud he was and the plan to take away Travis Kelsey, who had just three catches in the game. You know, um, I, I thought that they had a good plan. I was very, very proud. Um, uh, I was very, very proud. Just we we approached the game as, as a team uh, ready for, uh, you know, the Super Bowl champions and understanding that, we were going to have to be um, that they were going to have some success. But the biggest thing is I didn't want to see people waver. And wow, did we get tested with that? So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is we uh, we didn't let the first drive, knowing that um, historically, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, led, you know, led by Andy Reid, have always been very, very good um, at presenting new problems and new issues, um, spe- specifically in the openers. Um, and so when you just handling that storm, I mean, to have, you know, seven points given up by the defense after that first drive, that that's the bit, that's the huge thing that, you know, I'm really, really encouraged by, by our mental fortitude. Cause I know, um, you know, as, as the season progresses, these these games get bigger and bigger. So you have to be able to uh, sustain things or you have to be able to survive um, situations where you're going to get presented with new problems in-game and adjust. And I thought we did a great job with that. And I thought we, we were very competitive in reroutes. I thought we played team defense um, as, as I would expect. And guys, when they were at the point of attack um, with Travis, they, they – uh, they were executing their fundamentals and technique. So that will always be our calling card um, in all three phases. And uh, it's, it's something that I look forward to um, continuing to improve on in the bye week for the second half of the season. 
So I think that defense is only going to get better. I think the offense is going to learn from this first half of the season, having a bye week to go back and kind of self-scout. I'm excited about what's to come for this team in the second half of the season. Takeaway number three, you have to learn how to win these games. The Chiefs just made critical plays. The Rasheed Rice catch I talked about. That's a critical play that changes the game. You're not punting out of your end zone. You're now marching 95 yards for a touchdown. The Tyreek drop on the second down play that I talked about earlier, or second nine that would have been, you know, 25 yards in field position and the difference between being in field goal range and punting two plays later the fumble there to, to give the ball back and then to not tackle and again to the ground just these critical moments the third and fourth down at the very end of the game critical moments where the game is decided Miami comes up large in these in the games they win which is fitting I guess that kind of fits the whole point there but the games they've lost against teams that have been there right Buffalo's been deep into the playoffs Kansas City has gone to the Super Bowl and won it the Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year those teams have found a way to just beat us in these critical spots and Miami has to find a way. They have to find a way to be better in these key spots, in these big games against these big time teams. The fourth takeaway, the narrative is the narrative until you prove otherwise. I did a whole thing about it. I don't care. But like McDaniel said at his presser early in the week, either the narrative is going to be we're going to the Super Bowl after this game or we just cannot beat good teams. and We should just fold up shop and, and not play anymore, right? I added the last part there, but those are the two potential outcomes from this game. Well, it's going to be two weeks of not fun content of thinking about how the plays you had that didn't go your way all the way through the bye week. And that leads us into our final takeaway. Number five is that I say it all the time on the show here, guys, everything is still out in front of this football team. I think that makes it an uphill climb to get the one seed, which gosh, I would have liked our chances to go all the way if you have home playoff games at Hard Rock Stadium. And that's still a possibility. I shouldn't talk so definitively, but I think it's a really tough you know, hill to overclimb. You have a two-game deficit now to the Chiefs, and who knows if they lose two games the rest of the year. But the division is still very much in play. It all is. And you're still in prime position to go out and top the Bills and the Jets and win this division. But you know, a week off, a bunch of home games, the Raiders, the Jets, the Commanders, the Titans, and the Jets again... I, you know, I like our team and against most teams. I like our team a lot against those five teams. Last year, we began eight and three. We all felt like we were a Super Bowl team and then things went sideways. Now, I mentioned those games because does anybody expect, even after today's game, even after the Philly game, does anybody expect anything less than five and oh during that run? I mean, you have to play the games. You have to go execute. Injuries happen. Things can, can change. But at this moment, you look at that and you think you could be 11 and three. But even then, still... Would anybody consider the Dolphins the favorites to win the Super Bowl at that point? I don't think so. I don't I don't think we should care. It doesn't matter. But that's how the outside will view you, even if you are 11 and 3, and you've earned that. But you know what you'd earn at 11 and 3? Is being 11 and 3 and being in the top of your division and being in a position to finish the season with one of the best records in the league, which puts you in position to make a run in January. And like I said, that all exists out in front of you. It sucks. It hurts. Embrace the suck. Embrace the hurt. Embrace the pain and try to get on with your life. Go play with your kids. It's a tough loss to swallow, a tough pill to swallow, but this Dolphins team will be back. Count on that. That's my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on social at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with my guys, Seth and Juice. They kill it every single week. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy. Daddy.